Hello and welcome to the episode 4 of the GI Health Podcast. to the episode 4 of the GI Health Podcast. I'm Vitaly and I'm with you for the whole episode again and today it's gonna be the big one, the mother of all episodes, the thing you've been waiting for, hopefully, for the last couple of weeks. I thank you all for listening to this podcast and I'm trying my best to get the most out of it. I'm sorry that I'm not sticking straight to the schedule because I am working at the university as I've mentioned before. I have been so flipping busy with all the work because it's the end of the, it's it's the midterm basically. I have exams to check, I have things to do, I have paperwork, I have wife and a kid and I have to take her to school and back and forth. But right now I'm recording this thing on the uh, 11.54 on the 30th or the 30th of December. So enjoy your New Year's Eve please and Merry Christmas to all of you and all your family members and anyone else that you know. I hope you had a good Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and you spend it with your family without putting any restraints on your diet. And I really hope that worked out. Now though, as you might already listen to me during previous podcast, you're expecting that I'm going to be talking about another natural remedy called the oregano oil but no i'm not gonna talk about that i'm gonna be talking about exactly what most of you hopefully have been waiting for is gerd g-e-r-d or gastroesophageal reflux disease or just heartburn acid reflux whatever the hell you want to call it using some words that I probably shouldn't be using but I just I just want to keep this podcast as natural as possible because this is when I'm trying to get through to you and this is the thing that we really need to discuss right now this is where you make your change in order to get better or continue down the path you've been going through for the last couple of weeks months years whatever you want to call it this is your chance to change your life right now. So, without further ado, let's get started. As I promised you before, I'm going to be talking to a specialist, but, 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 we couldn't, we couldn't organize a time schedule because I'm living in Thailand. There's a huge difference in time between here and the US. So, I've wrote a lot of questions to Dr. Norm Robidat, who is an excellent microbiologist who specializes in treating all sorts of all sorts of diseases. He managed to answer my questions as much as possible and I tried to compile it into this document that I have in front of me. I have about four pages of of of, of research open in front of me along with it's not really a script but it, it it's like the bullet points that I have to talk about with you today. And that's all have to do with GERD, acid reflux, and things like that. And this is something that you really 
not only want, but you need to hear it right now. You need to make some conclusions about which way you want to go in your life. Do you want to continue down to the path of going to the docs and asking for medicine? And when that stops working, going back and asking for more medicine, more powerful medicine. The medicine doesn't work again. You go back and you ask again and again and again. And this goes on for the rest of your life. Or do you actually want to listen to the real cause of the GERD? And see how you, along with me, can actually beat it and become a person who doesn't need jack shit, to be honest. You just function through the whole day without having to worry about it. You might have a a few minor symptoms back here and there, but it all depends on what you eat. With the explanation I'm going to give you in this episode, along with the natural remedies and other things, you are going to be in control of your GERD. It might take some time, but you will be there. And you don't need to use any of that overpriced garbage that is on the market right now. So let's get started on it, okay? So in this episode, I'm going to be presenting you the truth and the proof. What I've been telling you for the last three episodes, that the gastroesophageal reflux disease, GERD, acid reflux, heartburn, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call it is not caused by too much acid as you might feel in your throat. Oh, I'm regurgitating some acid and it's burning and things like that. I mean, I've been there. It's not caused by too much acid, but actually too little acid in your stomach. I'm also going to explain you how the stomach acid causes heartburn, GERD and other digestive conditions. And after that, I'm going to discuss the important roles that the stomach acid actually plays in maintaining your overall health and preventing diseases and and actually protects you from long-term damage that you can do to your health. I'll also present you a dietary and lifestyle changes that you might need to eliminate the heartburn and growth once and for all. So let's start, first of all, of talking about things, statistics, things like that, right? So according to the National Institute of Diabetes and Kidney Diseases, 60 million, and I repeat 60, 60 million people in the United States alone experience in heartburn at least once a month. And 25 million people experience this symptom daily. And I've talked about this in my previous episode. The gastroesophageal reflux disease, GERD in short, right, is different from a normal acid reflux. It's a, it's a more serious term, more serious disease. The most common digestive disorder in the United States alone, this is it. There is no other way to go about it. And it's not only about the United States, Europe, Asia, whenever you're living, like if you're listening to this podcast, most likely you're experiencing this symptom, right? I mean, the studies alone in the United States show that 10 to 20% of individuals experiencing symptoms at least once a week, once a week. And that, that, that's a lot, to be honest. Like, And on the contrast, we're talking about this, and this is what we're going to be leading to at the end of our podcast, is that the drugs, the drugs for the acid reflux and GERD are actually a cash cows for the pharmaceutical companies more than 60 million prescriptions for GERD were filed in 2004. And this is as as back deep as I could dig in the archives. More than 60 million, I repeat, million 
prescriptions for GERD were just issued in the United States alone in 2004. And based on nice statistics, Americans actually spent 13 billion dollars on asset stopping medicine back in 2004 to 2006. That's a huge market. That's a huge market. Probably one of them. I would have probably been one of them. Nexium in 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 the U, in the U.S. is probably the most popular drug. People spend 5.1 billion on that thing alone in 2006, and as the highest selling drug, except for the drug that actually reduces your cholesterol in the U.S. Right? But we are also talking about Europe and other things, and you might know those drugs by different name: omeprazole, lantaprazole. Uh, you probably buy it over the counter in the UK, or like I used to. It was called Gaviscone, right? Is is another type of acid suppression drugs. But we're gonna talk about that all in a minute. But right now, we just was covering a little bit of statistics there. What most of you don't realize, the GERD actually originated from all this over-the-counter medicine that you have available right now, right in front of you. You just can go to any pharmacy, right, and you say, I'm having heartburn. Can you give me something? Yeah, I'll give you something. And it's going to be this, this and that. You can go to Tesco, Lotus, Asda, Walmart, whatever the hell you have in front of you. You can ask them, oh, I'm having a gastric reflux right now. Can I get something? Yeah, there you go. Soda bicarbonate, anything, omeprazole, lantaprazole, all this is sold here in Asia freely, for example. That is the beginning of all the problems that you're having. But this is when I'm gonna stop your worrying, right? You were more, most likely thinking like, you come to your mom or your dad, and you're, oh, mom or dad, I'm having indigestion, I'm having this problem and that problem, and they were like, oh, come on, this is just grandma's cooking and things like that. No, this is all bullshit, and I'm just gonna call out of it. Bullshit, straight away. Up until fairly recently, the heartburn was never taken seriously, you know? It's primarily been like bad jokes and stuff like that, as I told you. But now we know that heartburn and girl can have a serious and even, even life-threatening complications in your life, including scarring conditions, ulcerations, you know, like, and, and even cancer. Cancer, yeah. I mean... Your stomach is protected from the acid that is there, right? Nothing can happen to your stomach, but if it refluxes into your esophagus, that area is not protected by anything, and that's where the cancer usually grows. Over the years, obviously, but it doesn't really matter, right? We're just talking about the whole thing. And this is something that you might not expect to hear, that the recent studies done by the University of Gastroenterological Health actually say that the damage from poor stomach function, the stomach alone, right? Stomach function and GERD not only extend upwards where you have your esophagus, right? But they also extend down through your digestive tract, contributing to what you all experienced or some of you might have experienced called as irritable bowel syndrome or IBS and other gastrointestinal problems. Now IBS is the second leading cause of missed work in the US only behind the common cold and, and flu and things like that. Now let's dive deeper. 
This is the thing that you wanted to hear. I told you about this before in episode 1, 2 and 3 and up leading to this episode. Whatever you want to believe me or not, but this is the thing you, if you don't believe me, you have to test it by yourself. If you ask an average Joe on the street, what causes your heartburn? What causes your acid reflux? They'll tell you, oh, probably too much acid. Mm. You're sitting and thinking there. Yeah, if it's burning, that means it's too much acid. How about this? It's not too much. It's actually too little acid. That's what's causing your heartburn. You probably won't believe me. And neither did I in the beginning. And I was thinking like, maybe I should give it a go. Maybe I should try this for one chance, you know, try to see how it's going, how my body is going to react to this whole thing. Then again, you're all switching on your TVs and you're like, oh, this dude is having a problem with the, with his, with his heartburn and things. We need to take Gaviscon. This is the advertising saying to you every single day on the TV. And that that's the way it is on the TV, right? You've seen it in TVs and magazines and all those other crazy shit that you look at. You've seen at least once in your life advertising for Gaviscon or other things, whatever they may be called in your countries. But there is a big problem with this. The thing is, the thing is, you need to think logically right now. If you still didn't believe my theory, you need to think about it right now. By by medical studies, actual studies where they put where they put things into your mouth and goes into your stomach, that with age you're producing less and less and less acid. Yet the GERD reflux disease progresses upwards. So why does it happen? Why, as you produce less acid, you actually having more symptoms of GERD as you age. And this is a thing that has been proven with studies. Incline in heartburn, like the heartburn actually increases in GERDs with age, while the stomach acid with the same person actually decreases with age. And numerous studies have shown that stomach acid secretion declines with age. And in one study, the researchers found that over 30% of men and women past the age of 60 suffer from gastritis, a condition by is marked by little to absolutely non-acid secretion in the stomach at all. And you would think that the gastritis is caused just by too much acid. That's how it was apparently in my age when I was drinking heavily, I was partying, I was in my early 20s and I was going all out and that's when I had my focus gratis and and I was treated with two types of antibiotics and God knows like three or four times of Lantaprazole, Omeprazole and other things like that. As I said when I was doing this podcast, I really wanted to get through you as a person to person, right? I don't like, as much as I like to edit the long pauses and things like that, this is when I'm trying to get through you. This is tried to be as raw as possible because you need to understand two years. What, what, I forgot the last time I popped the pill for anything. The last time I popped a pill for anything was probably two years ago when I really had too much drink and I felt like I was regurgitating my acid stomach back into my throat. But that was two years ago. I don't have to do that anymore. Mm. With the theory that I proposed you, not me, that's a scientific journal. 
I'll, I'll send you all the links. I'll link the links below the podcast. You can read it for yourself if you don't believe me. That is actually a research by the National Gastronology Institute in Scotland that was done over the period of years of 2000 to 2004. That was actually quite a while ago. But with the theory that I propose to you right now, it would seem that if the heartburn was caused to, with too much acid, we would have a bunch of teenagers and young people, you know, popping lansoprazole, omeprazole, rolades, instead of elderly folk. But of course, that's actually the opposite of what the research is actually showing you. It's the older folks that need it more, even though the acid production in their system decreases over the time. Now, if we go down the theory, you know, you would probably think like, hmm, if the heartburn was caught by too much acid, we would have a lot of teenagers right now just going around and popping omeprazole, lansoprazole, rolate and other things instead of the older folks. But of course, that's the opposite of what we see, you know. In fact, according to a Jonathan Wright, who is an MD at the Tahoma Clinic in Washington, I mean, you can read this, his book. This is not advertising, I'm just telling you. I've read this as well, but I've reached my conclusion before reading that. You can read his book, which is called Why Stomach Acid is Good for You. And usually what he said in his clinic, when the stomach acid level was measured in the people who complained the most of having suffered from GERD and acid reflux, it's actually lower than the normal people. Much lower than the normal people. And this is something that you need to start thinking about really you need to start thinking about it right now in his research we was talking about that they've studied you know the people of over the age of 40 who have been having a heartburn and digestion and gas and all other symptoms and over 90 percent of the time they found that the people who are suffering from the most symptoms had actually a lower stomach acid produced than the rest of the people in their studies and this is where the paradox occurs right that's what i told you about in the previous episode what the hell is going on why are we getting this medicine actually reduce your stomach acid when the whole thing seems to be coming up right now that is happening just because of too little stomach acid and we go on right here that's the quote starting right now when we carefully studied test people over the age of 40 whom we thought are having a heartburn according to the symptoms indigestion and gas as well over 90 percent of the time we find inadequate acid production by the stomach meaning that the stomach produces less acid than it actually is supposed to at their age. So in over 25 years of conducting this test, he found that very few people with the excess stomach acid actually existed. Most of the people who complained about all this GERD and other things, acid reflux, were actually having too little acid in their stomach. Excess stomach acid is only found in a very, very, very few people who have this rare condition called Slendinger-Ellison syndrome. And GERD is even hardly ever associated with that condition of being too much acid and this is the main contrast to to the thing that you're actually thinking of that the miss the doctor Wright and other clinicians at this clinic and other clinics also have found that giving hydrochloric 
acid supplement, which is basically giving the supplement to produce more acid in your stomach to the patients with heartburn and GERD often cures their symptoms completely. He said, quote, in 24 years of nutritionally oriented practice, I have worked with thousands of individuals who have found cause of their heartburn and digestion to be low stomach acidity. And nearly all of these folks seem to have been relieved or completely eradicated and their digestion improved when they've been taking supplemental hydrochloric acid and pepsin capsules. I mean, my, my alternative to this was the apple cider vinegar, but if you don't want to go this road, you can go to your doctor and request to have hydrochloric acid supplement given to you. I mean, whatever he accepts your challenge or not, it's up to you. But this is the case, the hydrochloric acid supplementation in a gradual increase actually benefited the people with GERD and acid reflux. Their symptoms are either completely eradicated or they actually felt much better than they used on the proton pump inhibitors such as lansoprazole, omeprazole and all that shit like that that you can see on the market right now. Now a lot of you at this point are asking like why the hell do actual the drugs that are caused to relieve esophageal gastroreflux disease actually helping me in a short term? Let's face it, they will help you in a short term. You want to go on? Go on for 5-10 years, write me back, tell me how they're doing in 5 years, the same medicine at exactly the same dose, but they're not going to be as effective. Well. The key lies here that your stomach, as I told you before, is protected by the special lining that won't allow the acid to, to decay and digest your own stomach. Whereas your esophagus is not protected from that, as I said before. It doesn't. Even a slight increase in acidity there causes it to burn, feeling the, the heartburn and things like that. The symptom doesn't imply the underlying cause of the problem is being addressed. Too often Western medicine focuses on suppressing the symptoms, treating you symptomatically as I told you before, without paying attention to what is really causing the symptoms in the first place. I mean, the misguidedness approach is clearly demonstrated by the use of antacid or anti-acid inhibiting drugs used to treat GERD problems which are caused by not enough stomach acid. And then we go to something that I call the consequences of you ignoring the cause of your actual disease. First of all, according to the study done in 2008, Americans, Americans alone, I'm not talking about anyone else, right? This number could be gigantic compared to what you're going to hear right now, are spending, Americans alone are spending 13 billion dollars on antacid medicine medicine that stops acid each year and i mean this expense might be justified if if they would have cured the whole flipping thing straight out but they don't they treat you symptomatically it's just the opposite effect it actually rebounds back to the whole thing as soon as you stop taking it and making the girl actually worse and it'll actually make your underlying condition much worse i mean virtually you're hooking yourself up to a lifelong medication problem you're gonna be using this shit for the whole life face it don't believe me go for it you will believe me in five or ten years because you're still gonna be using it and you're gonna be thinking mm, maybe i should have done something different but if you're willing to go ahead with it 
and you will feel that the difference is not going to come. You're just going to have to increase your dose, increase the medicine, how many times you take it per day, how many milligrams you take it per day. Then when it stops what working, there's going to be a more expensive medicine waiting for you in the night. Now let's talk about this straight away right now without any editing or anything like that. I, you're probably going to call me conspiracy theorist and shit like that. Whatever you want to call me right now, because I don't really care. I just want to get through to you. Do you really think that pharmaceutical companies is going to benefit from actually curing you? Like, if I'll cure cancer right now, how the hell am I going to make money on all this radiotherapy, chemotherapy, and things like that? You know, like, how am I going to make money on that? It's worth billions, if not trillions of dollars. Why should I in the first place? The same thing with GERD. Why should GERD be eliminated? I'd rather create a drug that will hoop you up for the rest of your life. You're going to be bringing me billions of dollars every year. I'm totally fine with that. That's how I would think. I want to please my shareholders. I want to please people that I know, people who are involved financially into these things. Nobody, remember, nobody, this is business, purely business. Nobody is interested in you getting rid of your GERD, getting rid of your cancer, getting rid of your liver disease and things like that. Nobody is. It's just a symptomatic treatment to prolong as much as you can pay and that's it. And this is the fact that you have to start to accept. Because after three years on this medication, I woke up one day and I was like, am I seriously gonna go right now to the doctor and renew my prescription for the same thing that hasn't properly worked for me? There must be something in this world that can fix something that is broken without needing to go through this thing. Because I have been through 10 different specialists and I was thinking, oh, this one is going to be different. This one is going to be different. He's in a more expensive hospital. He's getting more money. He is more open. He is more accredited. He's more this. And the same shit keeps happening over and over again. Well... We're not quite exactly sure what's causing this, but we're gonna treat it symptomatically. This is the medicine. If that doesn't help, come back for more. Seriously? Is this the best you can flipping offer? To be honest, you as a doctor need to treat people. Not symptomatically, but you need to treat them properly. Get rid of it. There must be a way and you are getting paid to find that way. Anyone can be treated symptomatically. I can prescribe the medicine symptomatically to anyone on this podcast or anyone I meet just so they feel a bit better. Doesn't solve their problem, doesn't it? Doesn't find like how many times have you spent time on the toilet with IBS? How many times have you spent sleepless nights with flipping GERD or whatever you want to call it? Enough is enough because it's not about money. It's about your own health. This is going to get you into the grave much sooner than you think if you keep going down this road. And this is something that you really, really need to start thinking about now. Like me, I have a three-year-old daughter, well, almost four-year-old daughter. doesn't matter. And I'm already in a condition that I never even imagined that I'm going to be in at this age. Ten years ago, ask me, mm, I'll be strong as a bull i'm still am but my digestive thing is completely gone the sooner you start to understand it 
the better it's gonna be for you. The shorter the amount of time you have to put into your diet, medication, supplements, and things like that. Please start to understand it now. The, the, the sooner you make the change, the better it's going to be. Back to the whole thing of the medicine, the doctor said before that curing disease means eliminating the primary cause of the disease. When the disease is cured, the symptoms don't return once the treatment is removed. This of course is not true with the antacid medicine. The symptoms return and often they return much worse than they have been in the past. Like the doctor says, I'm quoting, unfortunately pharmaceutical companies aren't interested in curing because the, the cure is not profitable. It's much more lucrative to sell drugs that people have to take for the rest of their lives than it's promoted diary day changes and lifestyle changes that would actually cure the problem. Therefore, although the drug companies are well aware of the girl and that it exists, that it's not caused by too much stomach acid that is actually caused by the low stomach acid and serious health problems that it that it comes with and complications they still continue to sell billions of dollars worth of antacid medicines to the unsuspected public advertising and things like that even worse these powerful drugs are actually becoming over-the-counter medicine with absolutely no warning how much of it you can actually take i think just as me, I hope that by this time you actually convinced that the problem is actually not there or you think it is. Now, going on to the main part of this podcast, right? Now we're actually going to be talking about the meat, the core, the thing that you need to know even more. I just opened up here an article. It's at NAP, sorry, NATAP.org. From the year 2009, it's the evidence that proton pump inhibitors, the acid suppressant drugs, therapy induces symptoms of the GERD and is used in a wrong way. And the research was conducted by Kennel A. L. McCall and Derek Gillen. They were from the Division of Cardiovascular Medical Scientists as well as Gastroenterology and it's been conducted at the University of Glasgow in 2009 on the June 1st. And what this thing actually says, treating GERD in short, okay, I'm just going to skip the whole thing. I'm just going to call it GERD. Treating GERD, profound use of antacid medication, will never be ideal because acid secretion is not the primarily underlying defect and this is something i couldn't argue more with this for decades the medical establishment has been directing its attention to how the stomach acid secretion and people suffering from heartburn and GERD, even though it's a well-known cause that the condition is not caused by the ex excess stomach acid it's actually caused by the low stomach acid still instead of the questions that they're actually saying right now they actually should be asking what is causing this whole malfunction of your system? A lot of scientists recently came out and it's caused by something they call LES. It's lower esophageal sprinter. It's the muscle that is causing the esophagus that goes through your mouth into your stomach. And when it meets the stomach, this is what is called esophagus, right? And on the bottom there, there's a muscle that called a sprinter that causes contract and open depending on when you eat and when you don't. When you eat, it opens up, allows you to swallow the things. When you stop eating, when you're lying down and things like that, it should close. 
unless you have a hernia like me for example if it doesn't close properly what is causing this malfunction and as a result the studies were conducted and the research shown that the low stomach acid is causing and instead of treating you symptomatically that they always try to do they should focus on actually trying to think of what is the primarily cause of your sprinter not working properly or what is wrong why why the girl is actually curing in the real thing instead of just like oh yeah it's girl we're gonna treat it with this medication as we were told by the book nobody gives a shit things like that actually they should be asking the reason why is this happening how can we actually treat it but nobody does because nobody gives a shit because they're getting the money pharmaceutical companies getting the money as long as they promote the medicine they are fine and the rest of the people fine and even the doctors that i used to trust the most i was like i, I said sorry i actually confronted one doctor in a hospital and i said listen i've been taking apple cider vinegar for the last two months and my girl completely disappeared and i was on your medicine for two years and it didn't have any effect on me and he said something along this light before he left obviously in a couple of seconds yes this is a theory but we are not paid to test the theories we are there actually we are there to treat you how our manual says we should be treated and that's it and then that was the end of it and i was like okay thank you this is exactly what i wanted to know and this is exactly where our relationship will end on this thing if i admit to the hospital or something else yeah maybe short time treatment is okay but other than that sorry this is the end of our road because we just parted ways because you just told me into my face that this is not this you have to stay like this for the rest of your life and this is not what i'm gonna do for the rest of my life because i don't want to be fucking coming there asking you for another prescription in five six ten years okay okay we're gonna go back to the GERD right now right and a lot of a lot of new theorists are actually saying that including the doctor that i actually spoke with he said that the GERD is actually caused by increased intra-abdominal pressure let's call it iap it's well accepted in the literature you know that the GERD is caused by the increased intra-abdominal pressure from the gas because the acid reflux when it occurs it actually causes things like distension stomach bloating which pushes the stomach contents upwards including the acid that is in it and it's it's coming up into your esophagus and according to the factors contributing to overeating for example obesity bending over after lying lying down after eating straight away or maybe just having hinatal hernia like me for example right or consuming too much spicy or fatty food that what can lead to actually having GERD and the several studies shown and indicated the association between for example obesity and GERD okay doesn't mean that if you're obese and 100 you're having GERD because of that reason but you need to you need to actually start contrasting the things as well the recent paper that was actually published in the research on the gastroenterology research website actually concluded that increased intra-abdominal pressure was the the causative mechanism of, of GERD some 
partially I may agree with that you know but I don't think this is the main role of why you me or many other people actually having GERD now in this final chapter I'm gonna be talking to you about exact core the cause of the problem that you will need to address and how to address it i'm going to be talking obviously about the other podcast because this is starting to go over 40 minutes not sure when that's gonna finish so the two primary causes of increased intra-abdominal pressure that i was talking about before is actually two things and i would recommend you this is not an ad or anything guys eat girls ladies and gentlemen if you want to read some extra literature i recommend you the book called heartburn cure and it's actually done by the very same doctor i was talking about all this time and getting my answers from him it's a microbiologist dr norm rebilliard he actually argues that the carbohydrates malabsorption leads to bacterial overgrowth and if you've listened to my previous podcast you probably remember me talking about something called SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth right and this is exactly what he's talking about in this thing he says that the carbohydrate malabsorption plays a very very significant role of increasing this pressure that leads you to the curd in the first place but I as researched this issue on my own I couldn't help asking you know some things like what in the first place can be causing this carbohydrate malabsorption and is there any other things that even if you don't have this carbohydrate malabsorption what are the other things that can be causing GERD the the answer to both of those things was low stomach acid because there's only two things that lead to GERD through any of those two conditions and these are imagine for example I'm giving you a chart right that starts from the top and going into the bottom and might spread to the left to the right so in the middle of the top chart put something that i would call low stomach acid then draw one line slightly to the left down slightly to the right down to the left bacterial overgrowth to the right maldigested carbohydrates both of them leading down increased into abdominal pressure and both of them coming down again heartburn and GERD and this is the thing that we talked about the lack of acid in your stomach is causing you to have this condition low stomach acid causes bacterial overgrowth and this is a proven fact I mean I'm gonna talk to you about this later on in a greater detail but in short what I'm gonna say to you is that at, when you're pH level is at 3 which is a normal thing right a pH of 3 inside your stomach the bacteria cannot survive there for more than 15 minutes it just dies out it can't survive that much acidity but when your stomach acid is reduced by taking omeprazole ansiprazole on those proton flipping inhibitors your pH can rise to 4 to 5, let's say, or even 6, depending on how much medication you're taking. And when the stomach acid is insufficient, the bacteria is actually starting to thrive in this condition. It's actually starting to overgrow. The candida, after taking antibiotics and things like that, is starting... I mean, a little bit is okay of it, but too much is not good. And with the higher pH, is starting to grow out of proportion. And the symptoms I mentioned before to you in the previous podcast are actually very true. A lot of us actually experiencing most of those symptoms 
things like being knackered, tired, having indigestion, gas, bloating, feeling exhausted and things like that. This is just some of the symptoms. And this is exactly what we call a bacterial overgrowth. It can also cause an inflammation over the long term, even called precancerous polyps in your intestines. It's also been well documented that the acid suppressing drugs promote the bacterial overgrowth. For example, there has been a study in 2010 that the long-term use of Prilosec or Prilosec, whatever you call it in the US, is one of the most potent drugs on the market. It can reduce your secretion of acid down to complete zero. Zero. And that's, that's the fact. In one trial, 30 people with GERD were treated with this drug of 40 milligrams a day for at least three months, 11 out of those 30 people were developed significant bacterial overgrowth compared to only one in 10, the people in the control group. So that tells you a lot. So the low stomach acid in the end is causing exactly the same thing as the mild digestion of carbohydrates. When you have a low stomach acid, your carbohydrates can't be digested properly. They start to brew. They brew like a beer. They start to brew like... They just start to ferment in your body instead of being digested. They start to produce tons of gas. And that's exactly what happened to me after being treated with tons of antibiotics for countless infections while I was working and studying at the same time. I, could, I can't tolerate rice anymore. Um, if I'll eat a plate of rice, I'm going to be agonizing the whole night. The whole night I'm going to be just agonizing there on the bed and just feeling sorry for myself because I'm going to be cramping so much. And by so much, I'm not just telling you I'm going to be lying down there passing farts every couple of minutes. No, it won't come out from any point until my body will almost start to have seizures. And it's not funny. It's not pleasant. I won't sleep the whole night and I won't wish that upon my worst enemy, to be honest. Rounding this whole thing up at the end of this episode, right? Stomach acid, the hydrochloric acid, supports the digestion and absorption of your carbohydrates and everything else that you eat by stimulating the release of pancreatic enzymes into your small intestine, your everything else that needs for digestion. I'm not going to go through the whole thing again. If the pH of the stomach is too high due to insufficient stomach acid, the pancreatic enzymes will not be secreted into your stomach. And the hybrids will not be broken down properly. This is, this is the fact. This is how it works. This is how your body works. And when you introduce a foreign thing there, like your medicine, this is when it starts to adjust, work differently. So the bacterial overgrowth plus the maldigested carbohydrates equals in gas. Like I said, go to Amazon. Look for the book called Heartburn Curd by Dr. Billiard. It points out exactly what microbes and other things are actually crucial. The preferred energy source is carbohydrate and what do you need to do to get yourself better. The fermentation of carbohydrates that haven't been digested properly obviously produce gas. The resulting gas increases the intraduminal pressure and that leads to GERD. When stomach acid is insufficient as usual and carbohydrates are consumed in moderation, they're not properly broken down. 
and it prevents from them from absorbing the nutrients, right? We all know that protein, for example, gives gives the fuel for your muscles and for your brain, but carbs actually give you this long-run energy that you need throughout the day, and you can't completely exclude them. I've tried before, and before I lost my gallbladder, I was actually on a diet of chicken breast and other things, high-protein diet, plus just vegetables. And I lost about 10 kilos in two months, so... If you're ever planning to lose weight, this is the best way to go. Because you're just supplying fuel mostly to your muscles and the fat constantly keeps burning. And for the last part of this thing, I'm gonna tell you something that the Dr. Billier told me. He also argues that if the gas produces the micro microbial fermentation of the carbohydrates that causes acid, acid reflux, we might expect that the reflux can be treated by number one, reducing bacterial overgrowth, or number two, reducing carbohydrate intake. He also points out the two studies that were recently done by fellow administration. For example, the antibiotics like azithromycin, significantly decreased astrophagal reflux disease. And other doctors said that it actually strengthened the lower esophageal sprinter in patients with after reflux. To be honest, if I, I'm not going to go into details of treating GERD right now with herbal medicine or not, because we are going quite a bit long already right now. What I'm going to tell you is that what helps you is that if you're living in a developed country and the medication has been properly approved, I suggest you go to your doctor and demand, not just ask, demand to be treated for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. They will prescribe you antibiotic that it starts with R something. Just get me get a quick look at the at the paper right now. So the antibiotic for that is called R I F A X I M I N. Rifaximin. Okay. This is the only antibiotic that has been approved for use for the intestinal bacterial overgrowth or IBS for that case, which most of the newer gastroenterologists are actually saying is exactly the same thing. The main reason why this antibiotic is different from the other ones is that, that it doesn't dissolve in your stomach, it's actually dissolving in your intestine. And that's causing it same effect as you drop a nuke a nuclear bomb in a populated area, it eradicates everything. So if you're taking this, you need to be taking probiotics at the same time. And I'm not just talking about probiotics, as you might think, oh, I'm gonna buy a supplement, pop it, mm, have a few probiotics twice a day. No, that's not what I mean. You take that, plus you take the food that contains probiotics, you introduce more probiotics into your into your daily daily intake apart from yogurts and dairy products that really contain probiotics you can try onions leeks things like that they contain probiotics you try pickled things like pickled cucumbers pickled vegetables right don't take too much of that because that contains sodium as well which is not good for your health also go for things like kimchi fermented food right kimchi and things like that anything that is fermented is also rich in probiotics kefir is the best thing ever kefir especially if you can make it that's the best thing ever try that and promise you'll feel much better but that that's just one side of the story right if you don't want to take antibiotic which i can't take even if i wanted to because in thailand here it's not approved so I can't find this thing anywhere. My only solution is to find the equivalent of that in a herbal 
or herbal medicine, I would say, because the herbal medicine has almost the same effects, but very little side effects. In this case, I would combine the olive, oregano, coconut oil, carbon, and apple cider vinegar. Yeah, that's about all I take at the moment, actually helping me quite a bit. This is obviously not a complete solution for you, I'm just giving you a quick overview. I'm gonna make a whole episode on that as well, because things have changed since the last time I've checked. There's been a new supplements in the market, there's been new natural remedies on the market that you need to know and hear about. But at the meantime, what I'm saying is, oregano oil supplement is the best because it, it's got antibacterial, antimicrobial properties, antifungal properties, antiparasite properties. It, it's, it's one of the best things that's been used for centuries already and it's just amazing. And it doesn't have any side effects, at least not as far as I know. I've never experienced any. Then you have a coconut oil. You can use that in your cooking. You can use that in your dressing your salads. You can use, you can even drink a spoonful of it with water. The thing is exactly the same as oregano oil, but a bit more potent. So you can take that, but just make sure that you buy everything that I told you is organic. Especially when it comes to coconut oil. Make sure that it's not refined and things like that. It's just coconut oil cold pressed coconut oil and that's it so i think that should be enough information for today because we've been going on for quite a while already right this is just part one of this whole story next time we're gonna touch upon herbal remedies how to take them how much to take them things like that what i'm gonna tell you right now even if you don't take antibiotics i've seen a lot of people improving from just taking hydrochloric acid supplement something you can request from your local gp say it basically increases your stomach acid production and you start from slow and then you ramp it up you start from one pill and you just get to the point when you start to feel a little burning in your stomach once you start to feel that burning then you should just keep maintaining that dose not increasing it anymore until it's starting to subside and this is when your stomach is starting to to pick up again on the path of righteousness right let's call it like that give it a try i mean you have nothing to lose and i had nothing to lose but one day i woke up and i said screw it i'm not doing anymore why am i doing this for what am i gonna be like on holiday I want to be popping a pill. I want to be worrying about do I have enough pills in my backpack and things like that. I don't want to be like that. I believe that anything that can be broken can be fixed back. So please don't give up on this idea. Give it a try. You have nothing to lose, but you have everything to gain. It won't be easy in the beginning. I'm not telling you that overnight when you drink apple cider vinegar, or you're going to take the oil of oregano and things like that. You're just gonna wake up the next day oh i have no acid reflux anymore no i'm not saying that you might have to wait a week or two or three or a month but it will come there and it will all depends on how long you've been taking medicine how young or how old you are things will definitely improve don't give up to this whole system of 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 nonsense they won't benefit from you being cured cancer exists probably for a reason as well who the hell is going to benefit on the chemotherapy radiotherapy and all the other drugs billions of dollars there nobody's interested in losing that market so who the hell is interested in actually curing it believe me on this one give it a try
if it doesn't work or it does or it doesn't work as you think it is or you're asking for more advice then please contact me and i'm more willing to answer all of your questions don't worry about anything and i promise you that everything is gonna be okay